eats with sinners, uh, resolve. Resolve is the ingredient today, resolve. Uh, one definition of resolve is to make a firm decision about something. Make a firm decision about something. Something. Um, ever made a firm decision about something? Uh, how about uh, a decision that involves exercise? I made a, I'm going to start next week uh, in April. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Uh, or in January. Uh, how about a diet? Ever have a, a firm decision? I'm going to start that diet uh, tomorrow. Um, how about Bible reading? I'm going to start reading the Bible every day, every day. Or I'm going to be at church every Sunday. Or I'm going to visit my grandparents more this year. Uh, ever made a firm decision? This is what I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Um, having resolve would be making that decision and then being determined to follow through with it. I'm going to do it this time. Resolve is not always an easy thing to have, right? You know, especially when it comes to things like exercise and diet. Um, uh, but sometimes it is easy. You know, like uh, when you make a decision to eat some ice cream. <laughs> I want to eat some ice cream. Is there anything that can stop you from, from doing that? Uh, or how about some of that frozen custard from across the street at Highway 55 uh, with chocolate syrup on it? That's some good stuff. Uh, you know, once I make up my mind to get some of that, it, it's pretty difficult for anything to stop me. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, distractions don't stop me. You know, it's, not, it's not difficult to do it, to eat ice cream, is it? That's not, uh, the, the, the level of difficulty is not going to stop me. It's certainly not unpleasant. It's very pleasant. Uh, it, it, it's something that I desire. It's something that I even crave. Um, so once I make up my mind to walk across the street here and, and get some frozen custard at Highway 55, there's little that can affect my resolve to do that. Other decisions that I make, though, and maybe you're the same way, like exercise, eating right, eating healthy, more healthy, painting the house, that's, that's something I need to do. Uh, fixing the ceiling in the middle bedroom that's uh, it's a plaster ceiling and, and parts of it are falling off. Uh, uh, resolve to follow through on those on things like that is not so easy to fulfill. Why? why? Why is eating ice cream pretty easy but some things are not? Well, because <laughs> exercise is hard, right? Exercise is hard. Uh, eating right is, is not as tasty as french fries it just isn't um painting the house that's a big job um fixing the ceiling and in the middle bedroom it's going to be a mess because i got to get down all the broken stuff in there it's going to be dust everywhere you know it would be much much easier to just eat frozen custard <laughs> right right uh, are you with me on that uh, depending on the decision made resolve can be a challenge to keep. Failure to keep it can have its consequences. Uh, failure to eat healthy can affect your health. Um, cholesterol goes up. Blood pressure goes up. Um, failure to paint the house and fix the ceiling, you know, that affects both the, the appearance of the house, the curb appeal, and, and also sometimes the integrity of the structure. Uh, 
resolve to follow through on some decisions can affect our lives in certain ways. Uh, and, and the difference can be something like somebody riding by your house and thinking, well, that's a nice house. Uh, or that house could certainly use a coat of paint. <laughs> failure, however, fail, failure to paint, paint your house isn't the end of the world, right? Um, I can still live in my house even though it needs painting. Uh, it doesn't leak and, and it's warm and comfortable. It's not the end of the world if I don't paint my house. Yet some decisions and the resolve to follow through can greatly affect your life uh, if you don't follow through with that decision, like eating right. You know, that, that can uh, take away years from your life if you don't eat correctly. Um, uh, it could ultimately cause an early death if you don't eat right. Other decisions and the resolve to follow through can even be even more significant, like uh, a resolve to walk with God in your relationship with God. Uh, it can affect your eternity. Uh, resolve is a vital ingredient for both our walk with God, and as we're talking about in this series, for people that God places in our path resolve to have a relationship with them. In our series, Eats with Sinners, Loving Like Jesus, uh, we are talking about the need for we sinners who know God's grace to develop intentional relationships with sinners who don't yet know God's grace. And so far, we've included several key ingredients as we're talking about eating, you know, ingredients like you would you would add to your, your stew or your, whatever your recipe you're trying to, to create. Uh, so we're, we're calling these ingredients. These are key ingredients that Jesus demonstrated in his life or that Jesus taught us to use in relationships, uh, in relationships with people who were far from God. Each ingredient is equally, important, is, is equally important as the other as we seek to reach out to people in our lives. So let's look at them real briefly. Uh, integrity, uh, that's uh, being real, being genuine. Uh, accessibility, removing barriers that prevent us from uh, developing relationships. Uh, grace, remembering, hey, I'm a sinner too. I'm no better than anybody else. Uh, faith, trusting God to be with you as you seek a relationship. Intimacy, a willingness to develop close friendships with people in our lives. And then last week, tolerance. We tolerate the sinner, not, not their sin, but the sinner. So let's add one more ingredient to our stew. <laughs> uh, one more ingredient to uh, our, our, our desire to, find, to develop relationships. Uh, and this is one that we might have difficulty adding because it's something that we've got to add over and over and over and over again. We, all the others are, the, are also true we have to continually add them but especially this one uh, uh, as we seek intentional relationships and this ingredient is resolve resolve one of the things that we may discover as we set out to develop a friendship with someone in our life someone at work someone that we meet at the gym someone uh, that's just a friend of ours or an acquaintance of, of ours a neighbor next door uh, as we seek to develop a friendship with someone, after we get started, 
And then we realize the time and the commitment that is going to be required to have this relationship. It's easy to want to quit. We might be tempted to want to quit that relationship because it's too hard. (laughs) Um, In order to overcome that temptation to quit, we all need a regular dose of resolve. A determination that I'm not going to quit until I reach the goal and then even beyond that. And what's the goal? The goal is getting a chance to share the message of Jesus with them in that relationship. And one of the most famous non-quitters in history was Jesus. Um, If anyone had a reason to walk away and quit, boy, Jesus sure did. Um, He faced great opposition from people who were supposed to be the religious leaders. Uh, He he faced false accusations. Uh, He faced followers who were wishy-washy, one of them who even betrayed him. Uh, He faced being arrested, falsely accused, torture. He faced humiliation, abandonment. He faced being nailed to the cross, suffering there until he died. (laughs) Boy, if if Jesus had, had a reason to quit, uh, nobody, if, if he didn't have one, nobody did. Uh, and he knew all of this was going to happen before it ever happened. It, it wasn't a surprise to him. None of it. Yet he did not quit. Luke 9, verse 51. Luke 9, verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. You know, a more literal translation of the Greek words in this verse is, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's on his way to be crucified there. Jesus knew what was ahead of him, what he faced when he got there. Uh, he was never leaving Jerusalem until, uh, until he died and rose from the grave. Uh, and, and as he set out to go there, Knowing what was going to happen, nothing could stop him. Why? Why was he so resolutely setting his mind on Jerusalem, his eyes? Because he knew what the goal was. He knew what the goal was. The goal was providing a way for lost people to be found, you you and me. Providing a way for you and me to be found, to be saved. One of the things that we must do if we want to help someone who is far from God find God is to set a goal to do, to do just that. To do just that. My goal, my goal is to find a person, uh, to be led by God to a person that we've prayed about, someone who needs God's grace, and develop a relationship with them. A, a friendship with them. And when the time is right, and God will tell us when that is, share the message of Jesus with them. That's our goal in this, in this discussion. That's our goal. And once we have that goal, and then God leads us to that person, then that's when we got to sprinkle in, or maybe even say, pour in the resolve. Because once we, once we get, start down that road, Satan's going to do everything he can to get us to stop. Like Jesus, we must resolutely set out to reach that person. We must set our face on them. 
And that nothing, especially our own selfishness, stop us. Because that's what's going to stop us if anything does. Because of the consequences of stopping, quitting cannot be an option for us. And what are the consequences? You know, when, when, we, when we quit something or fail to, to fulfill a, a commitment we've made, you know, there are consequences. Like if we quit college, we don't get the diploma, right? Uh, if we quit the football team, uh, well, we don't get that concussion maybe. <laughs> uh, so that's a good thing probably. Uh, when we quit pursuing an intentional relationship that we started, uh, the person we quit on may have lost all hope of ever finding God because maybe God intended us to be the one uh, to share God. Uh, and, and therefore, they are lost for eternity if we quit. If we quit, think about that. Jesus' goal, his, his eyes were set on the cross. His eyes were set on you and me. Our goal, our eyes need to be set on helping someone that we know or someone that we will know that God will lead us to, find the cross and let nothing distract our eyes. Let's follow on when Luke chapter 9, verse 52 and 55, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. And he, he sent messengers, Jesus sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. You know, notice the difference between the way Jesus' disciples looked at people uh, compared to the way Jesus looked at people. Uh, you know, in order to get to Jerusalem and the way they were going, the shortest path for them uh, was for Jesus and his disciples to walk through Samaria. They could have gone around, but it would have taken a lot longer. Uh, so they, they did something that Jews didn't really like to do. They walked through Samaria. Uh, the problem was Jews hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated Jews. It was just this long-standing feud between these two groups of people. And when Jesus sent messengers to prepare a place for them to stay in Samaria, sent the disciples, uh, you know, the Samaritans, because of this ongoing feud between these two groups, did not welcome them. They did not welcome these Jewish men and their rabbi, Jesus. Well, <laughs> when that happened, what was the disciples' idea of, of how to deal with these people? Uh, who, who were, and, and remember, these people were far from God. They needed God's grace. How did the disciples want to deal with them? They wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy them. Is that what you want us to do, Lord? We'll be glad to do that. If it, is that what you want us to do? Um, call down fire to consume them because they were a little rude to them? Here's what the disciples had not learned yet. They would, they would learn it, but they hadn't learned it yet. Even Samaritans, yes, even Samaritans are precious souls to God. And they should be considered precious to them, too, because they're precious to God. Now, they would learn this eventually. But here, Jesus had to rebuke them for their attitude, for suggesting such a thing. And 
And so they went to another village. You know, later Jesus will tell a wonderful story about a Samaritan who helped an injured man who was probably a Jew, who the man had been robbed and was laying bleeding in, in the road, and, and this Samaritan helped him. However, two prominent Jewish men, before the Samaritan helped him, uh, they were like religious guys. They walked by on the other side. They didn't want to help this Samaritan guy because he was a Samaritan. But the Samaritan, I mean, he was, he was injured, and they didn't, they didn't have the time to stop and help this man, even though he might have been Jewish. But the Samaritan, who's supposed to hate this guy, stopped and helped him. It's a wonderful story uh, about uh, how we should love everybody. And Jesus, what did Jesus uh, consider the Samaritan to be? The model of a good neighbor. Uh, and, and everybody had to admit that that was true, even though you were supposed to hate this guy. You know, when we decide to have coffee with someone, or when we invite a neighbor over for a cookout, or when we share lunch with a coworker, or talk about kids and family with someone at the gym, uh, or we meet along the way, uh, and, and we feel that this is the person that God has led to me. Maybe this is the one, Lord. Is this the one that you're leading to me to develop a, a deeper relationship? This is the person that I can develop a relationship with and then seek to share Jesus with, it, with him. Uh, it won't be long if we do that. It, it won't be long before something's going to come along. Satan's going to put something in our ear, and he's going to say, you know what? This is really hard. You should just quit. You should just quit. It's too difficult. You know, this guy, I thought there was a chance, but he's so far from God. You know, I, 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 It'll be years before he ever opens his heart, so I'm just going to quit. This relationship is just is taking too much time. <laughs> you know, I'm losing a lot of me time here with this guy. You know, and just when I'm ready to settle down and relax in the evening, he gives me a call and he wants to talk about some problem he's got uh, with his kids. Just too much. I, I, I quit. It's so uncomfortable being friends with this guy. He, he's so different from me. Uh, just different culture, different background. I mean, he drinks and I don't. He cusses and I don't. Uh, he, he's always whistling at women and, and I just whistle at my wife. It's just too awkward. I quit. I quit. You know, when God identifies the person that he wants you to seek an intentional relationship, we got to set our eyes on the goal, no matter what, that they receive God's grace. No longer lost, but found. And resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Our eyes on their soul being found. As we begin our intentional relationships, let's pour in the resolve. Let's pour in the resolve. Can you see how, how it's going to take all of this for us to, especially for some of us who've never done this before? You know, it's going to take all of these ingredients plus some more that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. You know, one thing that might make us want to quit or might prevent us from even getting started in, a, in, a, in an intentional relationship might be our lack of knowledge about how to help somebody find God's grace. Uh, how many of us, if today somebody 
came into your life and you had an opportunity to sit down with them and explain to them what, what a relationship with Jesus would mean to them, why they needed a relationship with Jesus. And not just telling your story or saying what you think uh, or what you heard, uh, but how many of us could sit down with Scripture today and, and, and help somebody see through Scripture why they need Jesus and they need the forgiveness of their sins through him? How many of us could do that? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us could do that right now fairly easily? I bet a lot of us would struggle with that. Um, even though we've heard it and we know it, how many of us are ready to do that? Because at some point in that intentional relationship, when God says, all right, this is the time you need to talk to them, you're going to need to be able to open up your Bible and say, well, well let's look at the Bible. I don't want to just tell you my opinion, but let's see what God's word says about it. Uh, how about this? Maybe we need to make a decision to learn, to learn how to do that, to learn that, to, or maybe to be reminded. Maybe we already know it, but, you know, we just need to be firm up our our, our knowledge of that be and be resolved to become a student of God's word now, how many of us are students of God's word on a regular basis um, make a decision I'm going to start being more of a student of God's word I'm going to bone up on on helping someone see in scripture why they need Jesus and how to become a Christian so I'm going to go through some questions today uh, and I want, if you would, if you've got a pen, use the back of your bulletin, write these down. I'm going to probably try to um, get you a card with, with some of them on it, too, along with these ingredients when we get done with this series. Uh, but go, write it down on the back of your bulletin. Um, I'm going to give you a question and then some scriptures that will go along with it that you could write down. So these are questions that either you might ask a person or maybe they might ask you, okay? Okay. Um, Here's the first question that as you sit down with a person. Number one, why do we need Jesus? Why do we need Jesus? Someone might ask you that or you might ask them that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. They think he's a cool guy. You know, I've, I've heard he said some really cool things. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just not into him. I, I guess you're into him. You're one of those religious guys. And, you know, if that's what you like, then fine. But I'm just, I'm, why do I need Jesus? Uh, well, of course, we know that they do. We need to be able to, to show them why they need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus, not just religious people. <laughs> Here's a scripture. Romans 3, 23 and 24. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some versions say fall short of God's glorious standard. God has a standard up here in his perfection. You know, and we all, every human being, even the religious people and the non-religious people, <laughs> we all fall short of that glory, uh, of that glorious standard of God. And because of that, we're lost. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. And then the second part of the verse is, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We'll talk more about verse 2 in, in a second here, the second verse in a second. Every human being sins. So if somebody asks you that, you, you, you start with, here's a scripture, every human being sins. You've sinned, right? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah, so have I. We've all sinned. 
And because of our sin, and we fall short of God's glorious standard or his glory, that makes us separated from God. We are removed from being able to be in his presence because of our sin. God loves us more than we can possibly imagine. But we cannot be with God as a sinner, guilty of our sins. God's up here in holiness, perfection. We're not, we can't be with him because of our sin. You can't be with him, I can't be with him. Uh, he's perfect, we're not. He's also a perfect judge. Uh, you know, the judge in the Murdoch case, you've been watching that? You know, I don't know if he's perfect or not, but some of you are shaking your head. <laughs> My wife's been watching it. Uh, he, he seems like a pretty good judge, but he's not perfect. He's not perfect, uh, but Jesus, God is. God's a perfect judge. His judgments are going to be absolutely perfect, absolutely just. And he, since he's a perfect judge, God has no choice but to punish us for our sins because that's the rules. That's his rules. That's his law. Um, now, we'll talk about, again, the second part of that verse a minute, in a minute, what to do about it. But, but just know, we are sinners, and God has no choice but to punish us for our sin. That's why we need Jesus. Num question number two. And there's, all, there's different ways, different questions you could ask. You know, there's so much scripture that you could refer to to get to the same point. These are just the, the ones that I use. Question number two. What happens... When we sin, all right, I'm a sinner. It separates me from God. All right, so what's the big deal? What's the big deal? What happens when I sin? Romans 6, 23. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We'll look at the second part again of that in a minute. Let's look at the first part. The wages of sin is death. You know, we earn death when we sin. That's what we earn. That's what the result of sin is. It's death. And it's not just physical death. It is physical death. You know, when Adam and Eve ate that, that fruit, that, that was forbidden fruit, from that point on, every human being was destined to die physically. But it's not just a physical death. It's also a spiritual, an eternal death. An eternal separation from God. Sin causes us to be eternally separated from God, and the place we spend that eternity is hell. Yeah, we don't like to say that, as somebody pointed out this morning, uh, but that's the truth. We, uh, the revival at, uh, at John's church when he was young. Um, but it's just the truth. Our sin sends us to hell. God doesn't want us to go to hell. He doesn't want to have to punish us for eternity. But he has no choice as long as we remain in the guilt of our sin. That's why you need Jesus. Continuing on, question number three. What is the solution for our sin and sin's consequences? What's the solution for our sin and sin's consequences? How, how do we escape the consequence of sin? How do we escape hell? Is there an escape? Eternal separation from God. And the answer is in the second part of both of those verses. Let's look at them again. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's just a fact. And all are justified freely 
by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We're justified. You know what justification means or justified means? That's one of those fancy church words that a lot of people might not know what it means. Here's an easy way to, to explain it to your friend. Justified means it's just as if I never sinned. It's just as if I never sinned. Jesus Christ was punished for my sin and your sin. He took the punishment for us. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, uh, God gives us his grace and then it's just as if we never sinned. When we put our faith in the one who died for our sins, it's just as if we never sinned. Jesus rescues us from the consequences of sin. Romans 6, 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but, what a wonderful word that is here, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We earn death when we sin. God says, because of Jesus, I'm going to give you. You don't have to earn it. I'm just going to give you the gift of eternal life, a free gift when you put your faith in my son Jesus. And here's another. Um, so what's the solution for sin, for the consequences of sin? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Another, another passage from Romans, Romans 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus, if we put our faith in him, believe that he rose from the dead, believe who he is, we will be saved. We will avoid the consequences of sin that all of us have in our life. Question number four. All right, what do I do? Tell me what to do. I, okay, you got me now. You got me now. I understand where you're going with all this. What do I need to do now? When exactly do I become a Christian? What's, what's the moment that I become a Christian? What do I have to do to become a Christian? You know, we need a time and a place, you and I, a moment when we can say, all right, right now I'm a Christian. Right at this moment, I know right now I became a Christian. Um, I know right now my sins were forgiven. I know right now I have just been justified. Uh, I know right now I'm saved. When is that moment? When is that moment? Well, what does the Bible say that that moment is? What was the moment for those first Christians? Uh, as we look at people who became Christians in the New Testament. Let's go back to the very first time that people were told that Jesus was their Savior and see what happened there. And you see, what I like to do um, when I'm talking to someone is, rather than say, all right, here's what you need to do to become a Christian, um, I like to show them people becoming a Christian in the Scripture. To, give, to show them, all right, watch these people become a Christian and see what they did. And then we'll just do that. We'll just do that. So I like to take people to the second chapter of Acts, which we find the very first Christians who heard, or very first people who heard the gospel message of Jesus. And I just take them through the whole chapter. Uh, and, and, and I show them how here's where Peter preached the very first gospel message 
to the very first people who became Christians. And let's see what happened. I walked them through it. So Peter's there and all all the other disciples uh, of Jesus. And there's this crowd that gathered or a huge crowd that gathered around him. Um, And he tells them about Jesus. He tells them that Jesus is your Lord. He's your Messiah. They heard it. And guess what? A lot of them believed it. We believe what you're saying. We believe your message that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's our Lord, that he's our Messiah. We believe it, Peter. They believed in their hearts that Jesus was Lord. Let's look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, when they heard Peter's message, they were cut to the heart. They believed it in their heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do with this that you just told us? Now, they asked people, what do we need to do? And notice what he didn't say. Peter didn't say, well, nothing. You just believe. Do you believe? Okay, that's all you got to do. No, he didn't say that. He also didn't say, well, just say this prayer with me. And then after we say this prayer, you'll be a Christian. Let's see how he did answer that question. They said, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pretty plain and simple. Um, Peter said, all right, you believe that message I just told you? You believe it? You were cut to the heart because of it? Here's what you do. First, you need to repent you got to change your life. You can't keep living the way you've been living. You've got to decide to repent. So I'm going to stop living the way I've been living, selfishly, worldly, and I'm going to start living the way God wants me to live. That's what repentance is. You've got to change, decide to change your life and then do it. And then secondly, he said, be baptized. Be baptized. Baptism was the time and place The moment that God chose to give us his grace, to give us forgiveness. We needed a time and place. God chose baptism to be that time and place. It's the time and place when our faith and God's grace come together to save us. Question number five. Then what? Then what? What happens after we're saved? Um, for, for a lot of people, you know, it's like, well, I just go off and just live the way I've been living. Uh, nothing really changes. I'm saved, though. I'll just go back to, to living my normal life from this point on. But certainly, that's not what these first Christians did at all. No, they all became a part of Christ's body, the church. In fact, every Christian becomes a part of the body of Christ the moment they're justified. The moment they are forgiven, the church. In fact, right after that, these very same people uh, formed the very first church uh, uh, there in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Let's look what these people who were saved began to do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together 
and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You get that? You know, these people didn't just go off and, and be a lone Christian somewhere. Well, okay, well, I'll just serve Christ wherever I am, just all by myself. No, the, the, body, the, 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 the church was always meant to be a group of people. The body of Christ is a group of Christians. We're never called to serve by ourselves somewhere, but together with other Christians in what's called the church or the body of Christ. And here's an example uh, of those very first ones and what they did. And then if, as you read through the New Testament, you see more examples and, and more instructions about structure and leadership and, 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 uh, and how that all works. Let's look at them again, the five questions. Question number one, why do we need Jesus? Romans 3, 23 and 24. Number two, what happens when we sin? Romans 6, 23. Number three, what is the solution for our sin and sin's consequences? Romans 3, 23. Romans 6, 23, the second part of those. And then Romans 10, 9. Number four, what do we do? The whole chap second chapter of Acts uh, gives an example. We can watch somebody do what they need to do. <laughs> and particularly, Acts 2, 37 and 38. And then last, then what? Then what? The very end of that chapter, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, you know, you could, you could write all that in, the, in the, the front of your Bibles or put it in on a card, uh, stick it in your wallet. So when the time comes, you don't go, man, I wish I had those scriptures with me so we could sit down here at lunch and talk about this. It's always good to have that in, in available if you don't have it memorized. Best thing to do is memorize it, uh, and then you can just take it, go right to it without having to pull out something. Hey, let's be resolved to decide to seek out an intentional relationship with, with someone that God leads to us, and then stick with it until we can share the message of Jesus with them. At the same time, let's get prepared for when that time comes. Come out to Sunday school. Uh, come out to Wednesday night and study God's Word. Get, become a student of God's Word. Do it on your own every day. Pick up your Bible. Make, be resolved to read your Bible every day. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, um, and learn. Learn these basic things. These basic things so you can prepare, be prepared for that. You know, Jesus resolutely headed for Jerusalem to save us from our sin. Nothing could stop him. So let's pour in the resolve as we seek to share what Jesus did with someone in our lives. Father, I thank you for Jesus' resolve to save us. Boy, would we be in a mess if he hadn't done that. If he had quit, if he had said it's just too much, it's too hard, it hurts too much. All those things were true, but... Nothing could stop him, and, and I am so thankful that he carried through uh, to the end. And so help us to, because he did that for us, help us to be willing to do that for others. 
and help us to get prepared for it. Let's be, help us to be resolved to learn and grow and be able to understand and sit down and, and take somebody through God's word to show them, uh, to tell them our story, to tell them why Jesus has meant so much to us, because that's a great thing to do too. But then to also show them in Scripture the power of Scripture. We thank you, Father, uh, for the opportunity that you're going to give each one of us. We ask all this in Jesus' name.